We're back. Welcome to the weird. Yeehaw. I'm so excited. I have a good story this week, and life is good, and... Well, hello there, partner. What, 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 what are we going to play Blazing Saddles for a while? I just thought we could mosey on up to the saloon and talk about some weird stores at the Weird Tavern. So if you were auditioning for a Western movie and you did that voice, I would just look at you and go, thanks a lot. That was really interesting. We are casting you in the lead. Yeah, lead what? Stable hand, no lines. (laughs) Speaking of which, you know, your accent reminded me. Yes. I finally got around to watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't watched it because... The way that people described it to me just didn't interest me. And fuck, it's such a good movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I agree, yeah. And it's like he just keeps evolving as a director, Tarantino, mm-hmm. and a writer. He just mm-hmm. keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't gratuitously violent, which worries me a lot about his stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty violent at the end, but it, had, it felt good in a very cathartic violence. Yeah, I love the girl in the swimming pool just kept screaming. I know it took me like two years to watch that film, but I finally got around to it. And my God, it was so good. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, I watched something that I think you would like. And I, this may be a first that I've seen something and I'm, I get to tell you about it. And I'm, I'm going to bet money you haven't seen it yet. It's on Netflix from South Korea. It's called Sweet Home. No, I've never heard of it. Okay. So I'll give you just a, a, and you and the listener, uh, it's in a, it's set in the present and either it's a virus or almost like it has a zombie apocalypse feel to it, but they're not zombies. People start turning into monsters. Oh, okay. And the the whole show takes place in this apartment complex in Seoul and people trying to survive. Is it subtitled? I'm watching with subtitles, although you can watch it dubbed if you so choose. It is like really high-end production value, really well-written. The character development is, it's 10 episodes. They take their time developing their characters. Characters you hate initially or you think are douchebags, you find out more about them as the episodes progress. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Scary. It's a bit. It's spooky, and the monsters. It's almost like they're out of Pan's Labyrinth. They're that quality of monster. Oh, okay. So really interesting. I hope it's better than that movie that from Korea, I believe, that won the Oscar. Oh God, I hated uh, that Parasite. Movie. Oh, I liked Parasite. But everyone's like, this. This is the new. This reinvents. It was just. I've seen that movie a well, thousand. Well, they say that about everything. I mean, they said that about On Golden Pond. I felt really sorry for the people who owned that house. And I don't think that's the way you were supposed to feel. The rich people, I felt terrible for them. Well, I think you were supposed to. I think you were supposed to feel, it was supposed to be a, a, a complex sort of set of feelings you had towards them. Oh, okay. I was so disappointed. Much like you do with the owner of Porky's in the Porky film franchise. I've never seen that. What? I have a really great story this week. Oh, um, God, here we go again. You're on a tear right now. Some of our listeners are now saying, get rid of Dan. We only want Riley's stories. If you cared about me, you would not have a good story tonight. Well, this is a special story because it's a request. Oh, oh, okay. And I don't often do requests. I think I've done one Mm -hmm. so far, but this is a request. And this is a request from a family member. Um, My niece, Sophie, um, listens to the podcast 
which is great. I had no idea that she was. And she reached out and asked me if I would do this particular subject. And uh, she's going through some shit right now. And so. Okay, this is great. Good. Yeah. And I thought to myself, why the hell not? I mean, you know, I'm always looking for story ideas. And so I knew this story when she recommended it. I'd heard about this. It's one of the mm-hmm. kind of top 20 you'll see um, on YouTube. And so, yeah, I decided that it, I would do it because it's a good story and it's fast and it's exciting. Like me. That's how I was described in the yearbook. Can I just say, too, about uh, you You raised an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family, I don't, like you, I don't know who listens and who doesn't. I found out a few weeks ago that my sister does not listen to the show because she had no idea that you've been throwing her under the bus. Yeah, but your sister, she she only listens to the Victrola. Yes. She winds it up and listens yeah, and to we can go. we can Glenn go Miller. full tilt on her now because she doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter anymore. I also found, I do know that my mom listens to the show religiously often we'll listen in the middle of the night because she gets up you know at like three in the morning and can't sleep and we'll listen to us but my father does my father just listened to his first episode like a week ago and is realizing he likes the idea of listening to a podcast now i feel bad for having such a potty mouth oh you don't have to worry about my my parents like i swear like a, a woman under the bridge my father's a sailor is he no but he could be one we were a very liberal household. Now, I'm not going to say that swearing was condoned because my mom will get angry at me if I make up things and say things that aren't true. But there was occasionally swear words in the house. Why am I forever programmed to be a certain kind of way when I hear the word parents? Like, if you had me over for dinner and it was a bunch of your friends that I didn't know? Look, my parent, my dad's calling right now. They know that we're talking about them. Folks, he's showing me his phone and his dad is calling. Um, Why is it, though, that you could have me over to your house for dinner and your friends just be your friends like your peers would be there and I would be my normal self. I would swear and be irreverent and get thrown out. But if I went over to your house and your parents were there, I would clean up my language and try to be, even though I'm in my 50s, the still the whole concept of parents makes me behave still a certain way. Yeah, I think that's forever. Like when I met your parents at your wedding, I was so like, oh, Mr. Lajois, it's, it's really great to meet you. Dan is an awesome guy. I I really treasure our friendship. <laughs> but the thing is, if you really got to know my parents, you would realize that how unnecessary that is. <laughs> I used to do horrible things to my friends that involved my parents as a kid. Oh, well, I remember once, I think pretty sure it was our friend Jeff that I somehow told him to go to my parents room i think they thought my parents were gone they were it was like later at night on a weekend we had a group of friends jeff went in but my parents were in bed and i i I closed the door and wouldn't open it and he was desperately trying to get out oh and my dad was like danny danny what are you doing (laughs) and jeff was like danny let me out danny let me That's, yeah. that's horrible. But my parents didn't care. They thought it, in, you know, the next day they thought Yeah, it but your funny. parents are asleep. Yeah, yeah. Like your mom's in her nighty. Yes. That's just, oh. Well, oh. they're under the covers. Let's talk about this lovely story that Sophie brought to my door. This is the story of the toxic lady. Oh. And her, her name is Gloria Ramirez. Never heard of this. Never heard of this? No. This comes up a lot in sort of the Unexplained Mysteries. I think Unexplained Mysteries did this. I'm not sure they did Is so this much. Is a storyline for X-Files, perhaps? Like, loosely based? I feel like... I mean, I'm basing it off the title, so... 
They might have. So you should tell me once you hear the whole story if this is an X Files. Sure. I watched X Files like sort of here and there. Mm-hmm. I never watched it religiously, so I couldn't tell you for sure if it was or not. But I did see that amazing episode Home that everybody talked about for years Which and one years. Was that? Where the woman, the mother under the bed on oh, the rolly. Yeah, thing. that's like the My boys, my boys. Because they had the they had the two types of episodes, right? They had the the standalones and then they had the the epic ones that told the bigger story. I liked the standalones. That is the best of the standalones, in my opinion. Yeah. And you know after they showed it, they couldn't show it on TV again for like ten years. Why? There was too much because it was so disturbing. Oh, like those kids, those boys were making out with their mother to make more kids. Like it was a really, um, mm-hmm. it was out there. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, we're so sophisticated, we'd be like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. But, you know, it would be an episode of Who's the Boss? But it's, uh, yeah, it was pretty provocative for its day, as I was. Anyway, okay, I'm taking you now, Dan, to Riverside, California which I had never heard of. Okay. Um, just to give you an idea where that is, it's about 49 miles from LA. It's near San Bernardino and Anaheim. Sure. You know, the Anaheim Convention Center. So that's where we are. We're with a lady named Gloria Ramirez. She's 31 years old. She's a mother. And unfortunately, she has been battling cervical cancer. And she has been going through uh, what most people would do, uh, chemotherapy and other, mm-hmm. um, other things to try, mm-hmm. to, um, to try to get rid of the cancer. On, on 8.17 p.m. on February the 19th, 1994, she arrives via ambulance at the emergency room at the Riverside General Hospital. She's complaining of disorientation. Her breathing is shallow and her heartbeat is rapid. She can't really speak. Speak coherently, she merely seems to mumble gibberish. Mm -hmm. But they manage to get out of her that she's not feeling herself at all. Immediately they examine her and the examination determines that her heart is indeed beating much too fast. It's at a dangerous rate. The first thing they do is they inject her with a sedative to calm her. Um, more than one, actually. I know that Ativan was one of them. Everybody gets Ativan. Mm-hmm. Followed by um, a medication intravenously to control her heart rate. However, she is unresponsive. So the ER physicians that are working on her attempt to regulate her heartbeat through defib- de- it's such a hard word, defibrillation. Defibrillation. Well done. That's a good drag name, defibrillation. My name is D. Defibrillation. And I'm here to start your heart. It is a good drag name. Defibrillation. Oh. So anybody wants to steal it, it's mine. Those enunciation tapes I sent you seem to be working. <laughs> the worst ever was colloquially. Colloquially. I can't do it. Collo- yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that one. There's other ones that I struggle with. I just can't say that word. Mm-hmm. It's awful. If I ever get cast in a movie and have to say that word, I'll be fired. All right. The doctors examine her and they notice that her body appears to be covered in an oily film or a sheen. They also note that her breath smells slightly of rotted fruit, sickly kind of rotted fruit, and a bit garlicky. Okay. And she's not diabetic? No. No, she's not. One of the nurses, uh, a girl named Susan Kane, begins to draw blood from one of Gloria's veins. And she notices that the blood has a strange chemical odor, a reminiscent of ammonia. Okay. At that point, a resident named Julie Gorchinsky notices that there are strange yellowish beige particles floating in the blood that Susan Kane has drawn. Ew. And Dr. Humberto Ochoa, Ochoa or Ochoa, I'm not sure, it's probably Ochoa, the attending emergency room physician, 
also notices and records that there are odd particles floating in her blood. Mm -hmm. Then, without any warning, Nurse Kane faints. She falls just dead away on the floor. When consciousness is restored, she claims that her face was burning. She's immediately taken out of the emergency room for treatment. Mm -hmm. At that stage, a second nurse asks to leave the room because she's feeling very unwell and she thinks she's going to faint. Oh my. Later, she's found outside the emergency room, slumped over a chair, struggling to breathe. All right. Things get even worse. Julie Gorchinsky, the resident physician I mentioned earlier, starts to complain of lightheadedness. And at that point, she also faints dead away on the floor. She begins to shake and exhibit signs of apnea. So her breathing stops periodically while she's going through these tremors. And then, not, not even a few seconds later, a respiratory therapist named Maureen Welch also collapses. Yeah, we have a friend, Maureen Welch. I don't know anybody named Maureen Welch. Don't we? Who do you know named Maureen Welch? So Maureen Welch also collapses. And she states, I remember hearing someone scream. Then I woke up and I found that I couldn't control the movement of my limbs. Other staff members who are in the emergency room and especially those working on Gloria Ramirez also report feeling unwell. Immediately, the area is evacuated and all the other ER patients are moved to the parking lot. Oh my God. I know, not unlike COVID, right? They're all out in the, being treated in the parking lot. What are you doing? Well, I just wanted to confirm. I do know a Marine Welch. I don't care. You get your phone out. You're like me with a teenage girl. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so the team working on Gloria remain behind. They have to because they are fighting to keep her alive. They're determined to save her. At that point, they have to administer CPR because she starts to, her, her heart has stopped. She's unresponsive. And as they administer CPR, they do everything they can, but she does not respond to any of the treatment. Mm. At 8.50 p.m. Are they wearing like hazmat suits at this point? No, because... They don't realize. What's well, on. no, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. At 8.50 p.m., Gloria Ramirez is pronounced dead. Her body is then moved, of course, into an isolation area by two hospital staff, one of which is a girl named Sally Balderas, and she's a nurse. <laughs> what? Is it Balderas, do you think? Probably. <laughs> hey, Miss Balderas, get over here. I got something to show you. Balderas? I think so. <laughs> oh, just laugh that. at me because I said Balderas. <laughs> I, I need to send you more tapes. It looks like Balderdash, the way it's spelled. I have some new tapes I'll send you. Yeah. Okay. One of the people who moved the body is a nurse named Sally Balderas. All right. After moving the body, she begins to vomit. And she also complains of feeling a burning sensation on her extremities. Okay. She is subsequently hospitalized for 10 days and also experiences periods of severe apnea. Why on earth, though, are they, they sending these nurses, these poor nurses? Like, obviously, something's up. You'd think that they would at least put a mask on. Well, they they do, I think, at okay. that point. Okay. Uh, Julie Gorchinsky, the resident that I mentioned earlier, she's moved into intensive care and is fighting for her life. She's afflicted with a number of serious, serious maladies, including a vascular necrosis, which means that her tissue is not receiving sufficient blood flow and it dies. Oh my God. I know. So, so, and she was the first or the second? The second. Okay. She was the uh, resident. Yeah. 
she is on crutches for like months after she's released from intensive care, recovering from this. They note that all staff members who came in contact with Gloria Ramirez have some kind of complaint. So they're all examined, their clothes are removed, and they're sealed in airtight containers. So now they're doing the kind of thing you think they should be doing. They're making sure that whatever this pathogen is, that it's not going to spread. When all is said and done and the dust clears, Ramirez's body impacted 23 of the 37 people working in the emergency room that day. My God. 23 people. At 11 p.m. that night, so she died at 8.50 by 11, a hazardous materials team arrives and begins to inspect the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And their first priority is to find, is to search for and identify chemicals that could have been responsible for that kind of outbreak. But mm-hmm. they can't find a trace of any suspicious substance, nothing that would not be routinely found in an emergency room. That's all they find. It's just everything is normal. Six days after her death, the Riverside Coroner's Office perform an autopsy, of course. Yeah. And just to keep you, you know, just to calm you down, Dan, the physicians performing the procedure are all in airtight suits and they were, they're working in an airtight room. So I know now you can relax. You know, and I, I say that too, with everything that's going on with COVID, you know, I always assumed that if there was going to be an outbreak of something, that those suits you see in the movie Outbreak, for example, mm-hmm. uh, with Dustin Hoffman and it's like Cuba Gooding Jr. It is that that would be sort of the the go to response. There's something in the air, or th- this thing is going to kill you. Put these suits on to completely eliminate that chance. It's not the case. Well, it takes a while. Well, not even now. Even with COVID, now look at how many people are are using just surgical masks. Yeah, but it's not COVID. Is not that kind of virus. COVID is 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 airborne. It's but an it's aerosol. Not, it's not, it doesn't have the infection rate or the veracity of Ebola. No, it, it doesn't have the fatality rate of, of, of Ebola, which is actually what helps Ebola from not spreading because it kills too fast. Because don't you remember, I think it's an outbreak. There's that famous scene where they're in the movie theater. Remember the guy coughs mm-hmm. and they actually illustrate the particles in the air mm-hmm. and everybody who gets mm-hmm. infected in the movie mm-hmm. theater because of him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I think those... Those kind of diseases are they're hemorrhag they're called hemorrhagic fevers, right? Yeah, well they, they, they start to essentially erode your your yeah. inner organs. The problem with those those viruses though, this is really fascinating, is that they're almost too effective in killing. They kill people too quickly. Whereas something like these SARS viruses, part of the reason why they're doing such a great job at spreading across the world is because they don't kill as many people, so people are able to spread it. Well, and they right. call they call our most vulnerable, right? I mean, that's what COVID is basically doing, more Not, or less. You know, well, what's interesting now, though, as worldwide data is starting to come out more and more, the people that we thought were going to be able to withstand it aren't. Like, there, there's still sizable death rates in people under seventy. I know, I know, yeah. yeah. But certainly, if you're over seventy, or if you have a, an autoimmune disease or things like that undergoing cancer treatment, then you're more susceptible. Well, my dad, my dad's 89 and he has asthma. So he's he, at the he top of the it. list to get the vaccine. He's just waiting for it now. Because in Canada, we're having a really tough time getting the vaccine out there. I think everybody is. Okay, 
So let's go back to the coroner's office where everybody's in their airtight suits in the airtight room. Uh, they take samples of Gloria's blood, uh, samples of her tissue, and they mm-hmm. even uh, take samples, I didn't know they did this, of the air surrounding the corpse in the body bag. Oh. All of these are examined thoroughly. Nothing unusual is what? found. Right? Oh, okay. That's weird. So the official cause of death, according to the coroner's office, is cardiac dysrhythmia. And that's basically irregular heartbeat as a result of kidney failure, which is in turn a consequence of her having cervical cancer. They call her death the most baffling in local history. And everything is kind of going along okay. And then the media gets hold of the story and all hell breaks loose. When the smoke clears, officials from 10 different states have come, visited and taken turns examining Gloria's body. 10 different places, 10 different physicians or teams, they too can find no cause whatsoever for the events that unfolded in the emergency room that night. Wow. They examined her for every possible thing. So on April the 20th, 1994, Gloria is finally buried. And that's that. So what about the people that seem to be going through some sort of toxic shock? Did they test them? Isn't toxic shock from like a tampon? Isn't that toxic shock? <laughs> no, but something that you're, you ingest or are exposed to something toxic. Toxic, but I don't think you call it toxic shock. I think that's, some, that's a lady thing. No, I think toxic shock means your body is being shocked by a toxic substance. Okay. I just as- as- associate it with maxi pads or Why? tampons. Well, Because all these women got toxic shock yes, syndrome. Yes, but that's, it's just a form of toxic shock. Okay. Why do you associate anything with serviettes as, they, as gentlemen would call them? Female serviettes. Have you seen that, by the way? I remember being so confused because I don't know where I would have first seen it. I feel like it would have been some sort of unisex bathroom where it would be like, place your female serviettes here. Oh, I know. Right there. I'm not making that up. Uh, also, right? also hotel rooms. The bag that was over the drinking glass was for... Um, what kind of hotels were you staying at? Trust me, in my in, back ball? in the 70s, this was a thing. They gave you these bags. Eight ball. <laughs> yeah, eight mile. I, whenever I, I go, I stay on eight mile. It's just fun. You know, you might get shot. It's, it's a bit of a rush. Great place to pick up crabs. My mother used to have unsanitary... I uh, used to... <laughs> My mother used to use unsanitary napkins. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder if they make those unsanitary Packaged napkins. Packaged between two slices of bologna. Yeah. And just out there. They're just left out in the yeah. sun. Delivered by a raven. I can't continue on this thread. Um, I'm not done though. There's series about what happened. Okay. okay and I'm, and we're going to go through them all now. Okay. One's really science-y. So good listeners, if I fuck it up, Please just write us and let us know. Um, I'm doing my best here. I'm an arts major. I'm not good at science, but I love it, but I'm not good at it. Okay. The California Department of Health and Human Services interviewed everyone who was on duty in the emergency room that day. Okay. After, this one bugs me. It just fucking bugs me. After all the interviews, they concluded that the whole event was mass hysteria. Oh. So like a psychological, they yeah, see one fainting. person- Mm. And someone being in the intensive care for a month yeah, with like necrotic tissue. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. And they say that mass hysteria also uh, almost always involves, I didn't know this, almost always involves a trigger event. And they said that the strange odor in the emergency room was that trigger event. Okay. 
Julie Gorchinsky, the woman I was just talking about, that resident, Mm -hmm. was so angry by that conclusion that she filed a lawsuit against the California Department of Health and Human Services. Good for her, say I. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Because that's nonsense. Come on now. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't buy that. I just, I mean, is it possible? I guess. Healthcare professionals who are exposed daily to weird things, and I'm sure terrible smells on a nightly, daily basis. His mass hysteria, these are medical trained personnel, emergency room personnel. These are not teenage girls at a slumber party. But, but or teenage boys. I never went to a slumber party when I was a teenage boy. Did you go to slumber parties yes. when you were a teenage? As a oh, teenage, a teenage. Uh, yeah, like I slept over. Uh, That's not a slumber party. Well, what's a slumber party? Slumber parties like five or six kids all together. I did that when I was yeah, eight. Yeah, like my improv team would have sleepovers and stuff from high school. That's so fucked up. Why? It was fun. We played a game called... Um, Intercourse. Jeez. <laughs> no. We played a game called uh, The Hot Seat. And I was notorious for asking the most inappropriate questions of people. Oh. Like other people would ask like, so who was your first crush? And I'd ask something much more terrible that I don't even want Did they know? Like, did the school know you were doing this? No, it was on... We weren't doing it at the school. No, but did they know that the improv team was sleeping over? I bet the basketball team wasn't sleeping over. I bet the fencing team wasn't. I bet the the debate team wasn't sleeping over, and I bet they wanted to. I'm not sure we had a debate team. The debate team were nerds. They were just bookie nerds. I'm not sure we had one of those. But uh, who cares at the school? Our parents knew. We were nice kids. We hung out. We were very close. They always say that. They always say that when they bring their 15-year-old daughter forward because she's pregnant. She's a nice girl. I don't know what happened. I know what happened. An improv sleepover You happened. know what? I'll, I will also say this about, I think, why our improv teams did so well is we never had anyone date within the team. We dated outside the team. I've seen a lot of improv teams and I wouldn't date within the team either. Our team was teams were very attractive people. I'll show you a picture. Okay. I have another theory. Do you want to hear theory number two? I guess so. A facility called the Livermore Laboratory did an, uh, an investigation. They found a large amount of a compound known as dimethyl sulfone in Gloria's system. Okay. And they speculated that she used an anti-inflammatory product known as DMSO to help with her pain. A lot of people who are going through chemotherapy or who are going through um, medical issues use this product, DMSO. It's um, it's an external medication, kind of like Rub A535. Oh, okay. But you use it to just control aches and pains. Mm-hmm. And that product would have caused a garlicky smell as well as resulting in an oily sheen on the body. Okay. Now, here we go with down the science trail. It's one oxygen atom away from becoming a substance known as dimethyl sulfone. And dimethyl sulfone is a whole different kettle of fish. Now, before I tell you what it will do, I'm going to tell you the lab tested this uh, anti-inflammatory product, DMSO, by exposing it to the same level of oxygen that would have been delivered through the oxygen mask that Gloria had on in the emergency room. So they put it in a controlled environment where it was bombarded with oxygen. The result was a huge amount of of this substance known as dimethyl sulfone being generated. So if she had the cream maybe on her face and they put the mask over her face, it could- Well, she had it on her body, right? All over her body, they think. And the crystals, 
of dimethyl sulfone look extremely similar to the crystals that were described as being floating in Gloria's blood. Okay. So there's another reason. Now, this whole theory makes sense. However, dimethyl sulfone is harmless. Oh. So once this product is formed, these crystals, doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't hurt you. So this is their additional theory. They further theorized Mm -hmm. that interaction with the defibrillator, defibrillator, hard word, and natural sulfate compounds that are found in the human body resulted in the creation of dimethyl sulfate. And dimethyl sulfate can cause heart, liver, and kidney damage very rapidly, as well as convulsions, paralysis, and delirium. Okay, that explains perhaps what happened to her, but that doesn't explain what happened to everyone else. No, but if they used a defibrillator and they came in in contact with these crystals, it could have become a gas, right? Yeah, but they were suffering from like necrosis and stuff. Well, that happened later. But that's heart, liver, and kidney damage, right? Mm. So it could be associated with that. However, let me just say, the broader scientific community says that everything that this Livermore laboratory has speculated or hypothesized is impossible. I should also note that that laboratory did not document any tests or conduct any real big simulations before arriving at the final theory. The only thing they did was expose DMSO to oxygen to see what would happen. Okay, okay. So they didn't try to recreate the event. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of important. Yeah, a lot of people think Livermore Laboratory was just trying to make a name That sounds like a made-up laboratory. It sounds like something from like a a British turn of the century, like Penny Dreadful. Yes. And then they took a body to Livermore Laboratory, where it was dissected. And they found within the laboratory a strange, bald man who whispered, Livermore, Livermore, Livermore. Over and over. It made no sense. He didn't even work there. He just whispered the name over and over and over. And then he became their mascot. And in a series of radio ads, sometimes even played at the beginning of records on old Victrolas, you would hear Livermore, Livermore, Livermore. You know what they say. Quoth the bald man, Livermore. I just did a homage there. Who did I do homage to? I don't know. Um, Poe. Oh, Edgar. Quote the Raven. Never I call him Ed. Hey, Ed. How you doing? You writing another spooky story? I wonder what he was like for real, in person. Apparently he was a sourpuss. Yeah. See, I I can see that. Like, I could see him being kind of dark and sullen. Was a little bit sallow. You know, like somebody who'd sit in the corner at the party. No, I'm okay. He would just have tremendous B.O. (laughs) There's nothing worse. Okay. I'm going to give you another theory. Okay. I liked that one. More than the first one. Well, that one's super science-y. And that DMSO theory, though, is very popular. You'll see that one out there a lot. But people who are smart say bullshit. Right. So let's leave it at that. Theory number three. Gloria's family state that her death was a result of just really poor conditions at Riverside General Hospital. It sounds like a soap opera hospital. Yes. Today, welcome to Riverside General Hospital. Days of our lives would have something like that. Not Young and the Restless, because that's the Genoa City Hospital. That'd be Genoa City, yeah. And Jabot. Jabot Cosmetics. Jabot. And what did Newman do? What did he own? What was Newman and He owned part of Jabot. Yeah, he eventually did. But what, but what was his business? I don't know. I fucking hated him. I couldn't understand how women thought he was beautiful. He had a Gross. mustache. And he always looked like this. Yeah, John and Jack Abbott uh, yes. were handsome men. 
I liked Ryan. I thought Ryan was really handsome. Man. Ryan. Who's Ryan? He dated Victoria. Oh, yeah. Is that the guy who stuck his tongue out all the time like this? Dan, what the hell are you doing? Because he, he talked like he would just, there was a guy that, <laughs> or maybe it was he Cricket. Just, he dated Cricket and he would just sort of stand like this. He didn't date Cricket. There was someone who dated Cricket and he died. Paul? Yes. I think that was Paul. Oh, no, no. Paul was the private investigator. Remember Danny Romolati? Yeah. Who was also a, had a hit. Hey, kid, rock and roll, rock on. But that was a, a cover version of a David Essex hit from But it was, he made it, like people listened to that song. No, people listen to the David Essex version more than that one. Anyway, so of course, it's the United States, right? So the Ramirez family file a lawsuit because that's what you do. So here's the facts that they gathered. In 1991, three years before Gloria's unfortunate death, two employees at the Riverside County Hospital were treated for exposure to poisonous gas. Two days previous? No, two years, three years. Previous. No one said two days. I, I said three said years days. before. I'm, I'm going to bet five bucks. No, it's 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 two, three years in the future. Our future? It hasn't even happened yet. It hadn't. They had a seance and they figured it out. Oh, just calm down. In 1991. <laughs> in 1991, three years before Gloria's death, two employees had been treated at Riverside Hospital for poisonous gas. Any questions? It's just God. Some, it, anyway, okay. They believe the gas had leaked from a sterilizing unit. Okay. Then, in 1993, a year before Gloria's death, an inspection found sewer... What's a sterilizing unit? Sterilizing uh, scalpels and stuff. They sterilize them. They don't throw them away. Something you put your equipment in to sterilize. And it sterilizes it. You've obviously never had a tattoo. Well, then you would know. Uh, In 1993, an inspection found sewer gas was present in that emergency room. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. So after the initial autopsy had been performed, the deputy coroner, a guy named Dan Cupido, had stated that Gloria had not died from natural causes. But he then, shortly thereafter, mysteriously revised his conclusion to say that she had indeed died of natural causes. The investigator into the incident, a very well-regarded woman named Stephanie Albright, committed suicide only one month into her investigation of the Ramirez incident. And a lot of people think she was murdered. Also, the syringe used to extract Gloria's blood was never found. Hmm. Well, wouldn't it have just been thrown out with all the other needles? Well, no, because they were working on her. When they cleaned up later, they took everything and put it into like an Uh isolation bag, like into Uh a, uh, Uh you know, a protected bag. They couldn't find the syringe. It was never found. Nowhere was it found. So all of those things together have compelled the family to uh, file a lawsuit. So there you go. That's theory number three. Mm-hmm. Now, there is one more theory. Well, I just want to say before you move to this last theory, I guess, is it? Yeah. That, that see, that makes sense. Uh, I wonder, too, then, if we're looking at a combination of theory number two and three, if, you know, that number theory number two could have been true but also if if there's toxic waste like you know or gas is leaking from instruments and things like that that absolutely could explain why 27 people or whatever it is became ill it wouldn't explain though the um, symptoms i've read a lot about it about the riverside hospital they said it wasn't that bad a hospital Mm -hmm. and there had never been any other wrongful deaths or anything like that happen at the emergency room. The fourth theory 
And it's always this. It's all, guess what it is? Just guess. Aliens. It's exactly it. A lot of people think that she had been abducted by aliens and experimented upon. Okay. I'm not kidding. No matter what happens, somebody is going to say, yeah, that was aliens. So if it was, because I know you and I are, are of like mind on these things. If it were aliens, why on earth are they dumping her back down and letting her go to a hospital? You know, like it, that just doesn't make sense. No, but there's a, a whole cabal of people out there who think that that's exactly Send her body off into space. what happened. <laughs> apparently she's married she's married apparently she's buried in an unmarked grave because they don't want people to go hunt her down oh well that makes sense because there's always people out there looking to go and see spooky yeah, things yeah. um yeah so there you have the mysterious death of the toxic woman gloria ramirez hmm. and there really is no conclusion mm-hmm that we can draw. Um, there are those theories that I told you about, but nothing has ever been proven to be the case. Hmm. I'm still shocked about your improv sleepovers. I think we need to do a whole episode about that. We would do them before competitions. It was a bonding thing. We even went once to a, like a outdoor camp, like a, like a leadership campy type thing that, but it was just us that had the whole facility. See, I love improv and I loved doing it in high school, but there's a culty side of it, Mm -hmm. a weird culty side of it that I don't like, that I didn't like. I'm the same way about theater. I don't think anything should be like religious. I just like go do my job and go home. And I would, I would be the person in high school who wouldn't have done that. I'd have been like, is this necessary? I think you would have only because those relationships were genuine to the point where all of those people that I played with for three years of high school are the people that I've kept, you know, in closest contact with since high school. We were real friends and we really cared about each other. So, Dan, that is the story of Gloria. I, like I said, I have no answers. Thanks a lot. You know, and I hope for what? That... Uh, this finally brings an end to your reign of great stories so that I can have a shot at um, clawing back some ground between you and I because I wanted an answer, the listeners wanted an answer, and you failed to produce. But the best mysteries are those that are unsolved because then we we think about them. We think about them more. Like when you debunked crop circles for me, I still haven't recovered. I'm sorry, is that why you're doing such great shows, payback? Oh my God, you're not going to let that go. I will say this. I will say this, that two episodes ago, the Chelly, Sally, the Chilies. The Rat the House. Rat House. The Rat House. That episode was phenomenal. For me, I like that stuff. Like, I like World War II and the weird occult stuff. That was freaking fun. Do you know what I liked about that episode? And I have to be quite honest with you. The episodes that bring me the most joy are when you and I communicate almost in as a partnership because... I knew when I was doing this that you would have a lot to fill in about the war because that's not an area that I know much about. Mm-hmm. And you did. So it wasn't an episode where I just you just sat back and listened to me blather on for mm-hmm. 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. You also had a lot of input. You shaped that narrative. And those are my favorite episodes is the ones where we kind of, even though the other person doesn't know the topic, they still have a lot of input into the direction the episode takes. Does that make sense? I was sense? your cheech to your chong. Yes. Your Laverne to your Shirley. You got high in my van. Your Joni to your Chachi. Yes. 
R2-D2 to you, my R2-D2 to your C-3P. And that it would be, by the way, if we were Star Wars characters, we would be R2-D2 and C-3PO. Do you know I hate C-3PO? Because you would be, you would have that nice golden body and you'd be kind of bitchy and angry and I'd be the happy-go-lucky. But he's always ruining everything well, for everyone. He's always complaining. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh. 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 Oh, I, oh. It hurts me. It hurts my soul. <laughs> and not just like when R2 has that little uh, electric thing that he pulses people with. That's what I just did to you right now. Because like, R2 comes off as being this cute, happy-go-lucky. He's got a... He can be mean. He's got an attitude. Well, he's not very mobile. He doesn't get around easily. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got nothing else. Um, uh, thank you, dear listener. This was a shorter episode for me, but that's just the way life is. Sometimes it's... Um, the episodes are long sometimes they're short you just never know you got anything dan you want to say no just the usual thanks for listening if you enjoy uh, the podcast again just you know the the way you can pay us is by uh rating us if you haven't already done so uh giving us a positive review and of course let people know about the show if you liked it spread the good word of the weird yeah and later uh when the COVID-19 pandemic has passed, we're going to be doing a series of weird sleepovers at uh, locations throughout Canada and the United States where you'll be able to join to join Dan at a, a location and he will have a sleepover. And I ask you really uncomfortable questions. Yeah, and then uh, you'll just become closer yep. with, with, with Dan. So that will be the weird sleepover event and that'll be happening probably late 2021 and we just can't wait to launch that. Super dupes. <laughs> So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. and We love that you follow us. And we'll, uh, we'll see you here again real soon. Good night, everyone. Livermore, Livermore, Livermore. Over and over. It made no sense. He didn't even work there. He just whispered the name over and over and over. And then he became their mascot. And in a series of radio ads, sometimes even played at the beginning of records on old Victrolas, you would hear, Livermore, Livermore, Livermore. Livermore.